Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, The Royals Game and Trading Prospects and ask me questions if I was confusing. The Royals game and trading prospects. The Cubs didn't make any trades today on, on Sunday, though let's see what, uh, well, at least not any major trades. They traded Sergio Alcantara, who had been designated for assignment. They traded Alcantara for cash to Arizona. When a player is traded for cash, that usually means that probably two or three teams were interested in trading for him, but really nobody was interested in trading that much. So what the team ended up getting, instead of the $50,000 waiver fee, the Cubs probably ended up getting about $60,000. That's usually how that ends up working. If there's six or seven teams that are interested in trading for him, then you end up getting a player. If there's 10 or 12 teams that are interested in trading for him, then you get a really decent player. If there's one, if there's two or three teams that are interested in him, usually you end up getting cash. If you have only one team that's interested, which is kind of how the Tommy Nance thing went, probably. Nance was claimed by the Marlins. Then all you get is the fee for waivers. But there weren't any major trades today. But I do want to talk about trading prospects as I talk about the Cubs-Royals game from Sunday. Which you're going to assess the Cubs-Royals game based on whether you're more interested in the major league players or if you're more interested in the minor league players. Kyle Hendricks got beat about a bit um one of the relievers robert gazelman who i still contend is a superhero uh because his last the last three letters of his last name are m-a-n so that means he's a superhero um he, he also got cuffed around a bit so uh hendrix didn't do well gazelman didn't do well um, the pitcher whose name is escaping my mind, who, tr- who closed the game out, he didn't pitch very well either, but it was a very fun 13 to 12 game. If you were watching it, I was either doing some reading or listening to a college game at the time. So I wasn't really paying a whole close of a lot of attention to it, but there was a point where I started paying more attention. Cubs were down 10 to six. And then the kids came to life and started to do things. Um, Ed Howard had a clutch at bat. Pete Crow Armstrong drew a walk and made a sensational catch in center field. Darius Hill knocked a three-run triple. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on by the minor league players. And if you are, hey, I'm paying a whole lot of attention to the minor league players, 
there is a whole lot in the game for people to get excited about. Much of the damage came off of Josh Stamont, who has actually pitched at the major league level. So it's not like they were whipping up on somebody who's probably going to be an advanced A ball. And it, it, was, it was a legit guy that they were hitting. It was, it was a le legit guy that, was, that the damage was being done on, which is a very good thing. So the Sunday Cubs game had plenty of starlight as far as from the kids. With that being said and understood, the rest of this podcast will be talking about trading prospects. And for some people, my stance on trading prospects is a team should never, ever, 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 under any circumstances, trade any prospect. And there's nothing further from the truth. Absolutely nothing could possibly be further from the truth than teams should never trade prospects. The key with a prospect is if a specific team, in this, in this case the Cubs, are working with a prospect seven days a week, 24-7, they know what they're doing, which team should know more about that prospect than the Cubs? I will use the name Darius Hill. I will use the name Darius Hill. Darius Hill was drafted out of West Virginia in a year, in a draft year 2019, when the Cubs decided, you know what? Let's start drafting outfielders that can hit. For much of the time of the Theo Epstein era, much of the outfield, much, many of the players who were drafted as outfielders, the player's bat was not necessarily the driving force behind why they were selected. It just wasn't. Um, there are a number of people who I could use as a counterexample. But to do so would oftentimes be disrespectful. But the reality is, if you go back and look at most of the Cubs outfielders from that era... The Cub, that the Cubs selected in the draft, much of what the Cubs were looking for was defense. Realistically, yeah, that's what it was. <sighs> One of the names that I will use, because he's still around, he's still in the Cubs pipeline, is Brandon Hughes. Brandon Hughes 
was a two-way player for Michigan State. He is a left-handed relief pitcher, but the carrying tool was he was a quick, defensive-minded center fielder. And the Cubs' mindset at the time was if you go out and draft a player who is quick and solid defensively, draft him 16th, 17th round, whatever, 22nd round, 29th round, whatever, you put him in center field, you put him in right field, you put him in left field, wherever you put him in the field, he's going to make your pitchers better and he's going to get your pitchers off the field quicker because your defense is better than it should be. This is a hill I'm going to die on. The Cubs, for an extended period of time during the Theo Epstein era, drafted, after the first couple rounds, defense-minded outfielders. And Hughes is not the only one. There were plenty of them. If you listened to Cubs games, there were plenty of players who were drafted and the carrying tool was defense. Whole bunch of them, whole bunch of them, they served with honor during their stay in the Cubs organization, but in large part because they just didn't hit well enough. They didn't advance very far. That's how it went. Or they advanced quite a ways because there were a whole bunch of players in the outfield who weren't really hitting very well. And the Cubs defenders, hey, you would bring up a guy in um, spring training. You could put him in right field and center field and left field and wherever, and it didn't matter because they were very good defensively. They could play center field. They could play right field. The problem was they didn't hit very well. And again, the, the example I'm using is Brandon Hughes. But there were a bunch of them like that. As it turned out, Hughes ended up with more value as a pitcher, as a left-handed pitcher. And now he's going to be in the double-A, triple-A fringe as far as at the start of the season. And if he has a good season, he might end up as a left-hander, left-handed relief pitcher in Wrigley. For a long time, the Cubs prioritized defense in their outfielders. With Darius Hill, he was kind of a morph in that he is good defensively, but the Cubs decided in 2019, let's go for outfielders who can actually hit the stinking baseball. And Hill, a Big 12 hitter, from West Virginia. Not only runs the bases well, plays good defense, but he could hit. Now, you have a player like Darius Hill. He's not on your top 30 list. He's probably not on your top 40 list. He's probably not on your top 50 list. But he is a useful defensive outfielder, plays all three positions, Started last year at Myrtle Beach, started well, got promoted over advanced day directly to double A, continued to hit rather well for a month and a half or two, 
ended up getting injured and missing the last portion of the season. Coming into this season, the question is, well, will it be the Darius Hill that hit really well in Tennessee for a month and a half, or will it be the Darius Hill that kind of got tired thereafter, or something like that? This year, he's done fairly well at the Major League Spring Training level, which doesn't put him in the top 30 or doesn't put him in the top 40. But the Cubs know Darius Hill fairly well because they've watched him ever since he has been a professional baseball player. The Cubs know Darius Hill. And the Cubs should know Darius Hill better than, let's say, the Marlins or the Phillies or the Brewers or the Rangers or the Royals. The Cubs should know Darius Hill because they have seen him play. The same applies for which other players? Basically, it should apply for all of them. The Cubs should know all of their prospects better than the other teams do. I'm going to say that again. The Cubs should know their prospects better than the other teams do. I'll say it one more time. The Cubs should know their prospects better than the other teams do. So, in a matter of course of events, the Cubs should probably have some random, I put air quotes around random there, I don't know if you could tell, discussion talks with teams periodically. Just to, I've been reading some books, and sometimes it's important when someone is making an official uh, PR release to say something that isn't necessarily entirely accurate just to get a new idea out there. I don't know if you've ever heard that, you know, sometimes organizations and corporations uh, lie through the media to get a concept out there. Probably it's an alien idea and I'm the only person who's ever thought of it. But sometimes people lie to get information out. But imagine, 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 imagine the Cubs and the, who would be a logical team for the Cubs to, eh, let's say Cubs and Phillies. Cubs and Phillies. Hey, let, let, let's, Jed picks up the phone. Hey, let, let, let's talk a bit. We're, we're not going to make a trade now. We're not going to make a trade today. But here's something I was thinking. How about if we, then you toss a couple of names back and forth. What's your doing when you're on a prospect fishing voyage is doing you're trying to do two things you're trying to do two things when again it, it, actually oh i'm going to change it i'm going to change it i'm going to change it not the phillies not the phillies not the phillies let's have carter hawkins talking to the, the guardians so carter hawkins is talking to cleveland oh that sounds perfect because carter hawkins knows the players in the Cleveland system. And, presumably, the Cleveland Guardians know a bit about the Cubs, the players in the Cubs system. So you end up having that natural discussion. Carter Hawkins, 
Hey, I was wondering. Hey, if if you guys were interested in making a trade involving blah 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 blah, then you go from there. Carter Hawkins knows which minor league prospects in the Cleveland system he would be willing to commit a felony to add to the Cubs roster, to the Cubs pipeline. He knows those guys. He knows those guys because he's paid a whole lot of attention to those guys over the last few years. Hey, would you be interested in trading that one pitcher who's in double A? <laughs> no. Okay, but you, you do the back and forth. How about if we, if we would consider one of these four guys or two of these five guys, would you be interested in trading this guy? Not real. But then you do a little ba- bit of back and forth. What you're trying to do is you want to unearth that one guy that Carter Hawkins wants to unearth that one guy that he knows in the Indians, whoops, the Guardian system better than Cleveland does. And Hawkins is also trying to find out if there are any players in the Cubs organization that the Guardians value more than the Cubs do. Because let's say that there is a pitcher. Who do we want to say? Who do we want to say? Um, Scott Efros. Scott Efros, major leaguer on the 40-man roster. Cubs dig him. Cubs like him. He has a funky release spot, etc., 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 etc. Let's say that using a numerical system that's based on absolutely nothing, the Cubs value Scott Efros at an 88. 88 is kind of a high number. What the Cubs are kind of looking for is who's that team out there that values Scott Efros as a 91? Cubs value him as an 88. The other team values him as a 91. All that means is the other team values Scott Efros more than the Cubs do. If you can find a team that values one of your players more than you do, that's the kind of player you should trade. Person says, well, nobody ever values somebody on another team more than they value their own players. Well, the Cubs traded you Darvish to the Padres. The Padres apparently valued Darvish more than the Cubs did. And the Cubs were in a situation where they probably valued Reggie Preciado and Owen Casey and Ismael Mena more than the Padres did. And Davies didn't matter. (laughs) When the Cubs traded Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees, the Yankees valued Anthony Rizzo more than the Cubs did. Simply, flat out, the Yankees valued Anthony Rizzo more than the Cubs did. Otherwise, the trade wouldn't have happened. And the Yankees valued Anthony Rizzo so much, they were willing to give up Kevin Alcantara to do it. The Mets valued Javier Baez so much, they were willing to give up Pete Crow Armstrong to get him. And that 
Javier Baez signed with Detroit didn't send Pete Crow Armstrong back to the Mets. The Cubs got to keep him. As the Cubs progress, as the Cubs move along, they will assess daily, weekly, monthly how Owen Casey is doing, how James Triantos is doing, how Ed Howard is doing. And hopefully, in most of the cases, they will get better. They will keep getting better. They will continue to do better. But more than likely, more than likely, more than likely, more than likely, there are a couple of players in the Cubs pipeline. I have no knowledge. I have no knowledge because I don't seek out this sort of knowledge. There are probably a couple of players that if you would get Carter Hawkins or Jed Hoyer or one of the pitching gurus on some sodium pentothal, they would probably say, you know, insert player name here, doesn't really work as hard as we would prefer. He just doesn't. It's nothing, anything flagrant or specific necessarily, but while other players are trying to get their last lifts in, they're the first guy to hit the shower. When other people are taking the extra BP, they're shagging fly balls. When other people are doing the extra drill to make sure that they aren't. An organization, when an organization has 180 players stateside off the 40-man roster, a handful of those players will not be as pot committed to success as the others. A handful just, eh, he's not giving it everything. He's just not. And the first team to notice that should be the organization in charge. Everybody else is on the field for the 1 p.m. practice session at 12.45. Practice at 1.45, oh, 1 o'clock. Practice at 1 o'clock. Everybody else is out on the field getting ready at 12.45. This guy shows up at 12.58. He's not late, but he's never the first guy on the field. In batting practice, we tell the players in this batch of five swings we want you to hit as hard as you can to the right side of the field to try to move the runner from second to third this guy's not not listening he's just swinging hitting the ball wherever he wants see how sometimes Players can possibly do things that give indications 
that maybe at some point on down the line, they might be problem children? Who's going to know that first? Who's going to pick up on that first? If it's someone in the Cubs system, who's going to pick up that first? Will it be the Cubs or will it be somebody from the Marlins or the Phillies? Will it be somebody from the Rangers? It could theoretically be either. But if you have complete knowledge of when the what the guys are doing, you know, you know who's doing what they're supposed to. When someone is being asked, hey, can, can you do this extra little thing or this other little thing? Um, and most of the players in the organization, yeah, sure, I'd, know, I'd have no problem doing that. Now, uh, would you go to a, um, we need four guys to go down to a school. Would you mind going? Yeah, sure, I'd love to go down to school. Yeah, cool, yeah. That's... I had to go last time. See how, see how sometimes answers can speak loud, loudly? People like to think I say the Cubs should never trade any prospects. That's hogwash. If there is a player in the Cubs pipeline who is representing that for this reason or that reason, he's probably not going to keep up with all the rest of the players. But yet, he's still highly valued by other organizations. Because, hey, look... Look, he, 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 he has a 60 hit tool. Yeah, but he has a 40, but he has a, he has a 30 person tool. If there are people who are problem, problems waiting to happen, problems waiting to be discovered, those are the players that ought to be traded. Because really, somebody was talking on the Twitter machine about how the Cubs are going to be able to look forward to having an outfield soon of Seiya Suzuki, Pete Crow Armstrong, and Brennan Davis. And of course, somebody said, wait a minute, you left out Owen Casey. It's like, okay, well played. Then on the other side, with the infield, who are the infielders that you're that you're going to promote? You know, are you going to say it's going to be Triantos and Cristian Hernandez and Reggie Preciado and leave out some of the other guys? There's a whole lot of talent blossoming through the pipeline. And it's a question of which ones will completely develop or more completely develop. At some point, someone is going to run into a situation where the Cubs get the hunch this guy, for this reason or that reason, might not be all that. And if the Cubs discover that before another team does, then they can trade a player who has been who hasn't been exposed yet because usually what ends up happening is 
a player gets exposed, and once exposed, nobody wants him. Nobody wanted to trade quality for Albert Almora because Albert Almora had been exposed at the major league level, and teams didn't want to trade for him. Whereas, if the Cubs had traded him before he had been exposed, there'd be a whole bunch of people who were angry, well, why, why are you trading Albert Almora? But if they had traded him before he was completely exposed at the major league level, then he would have had more trade value. The key is know which players are actually going to get it done before other teams do. Know who's actually going to accomplish things before other teams do. And if you can figure out which players this guy might miss. This guy very well might miss because there are markers that there are things that he's doing, there are indications that maybe he's going to miss. And if there are markers, if there's something visible, something notable, that this guy might not get it done, then it makes sense to consider moving on. The Cubs have a whole bunch of players, and as of right now, a whole bunch of those players are of interest to other organizations. And right now, the Cubs have no real specific particular reason to part with any of them because they have four full-season minor league teams and hopefully two in Arizona and two in the Dominican Summer League so they can get playing time for all of their players that need playing time. If there are players who are creating concerns within the Cubs pipeline, I don't know if this guy's willing to commit to being as good as he has to be. His numbers are still good. The numbers that he's putting on the um, Hawkeye machine, on the Edgertronic machine, they're still good. They're still good. But I'm concerned. Those are the types of players that the Cubs ought to consider, consider, consider trading away. The goal with trading prospects is taking advantage of something that other teams do not have knowledge of what they're doing off the field. If the Cubs know there's something that one or two or six of their top 80 prospects are doing off the field, or even on the field, that other teams are not yet aware of, those are the types of players that you trade. And those are the reasons that you trade them. Because the Cubs, if the Cubs have a reason to believe that a certain prospect or a certain batch of prospects are going to pull up short due to self-inflicted wounds, those are the guys you trade. And who would know where those self-inflicted wounds are more likely going to manifest themselves than a team who's paying 24-7 attention to the player? Who would know that? Hey, you know, we had a, a 
we had a 10 o'clock curfew for a game and this guy wandered in at 11.45. Wow, that was, uh, hmm, okay. Isolated, that could be just an incidental thing. But if there is a person who ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time too often, trade him. If there is another team that's interested in rating him at a 91 while you're assessing him <laughs> at an 88. Because usually with a prospect, <coughs> if there is a name prospect in the Cubs organization that the Cubs happen to know, this guy, for this specific reason, probably ought to get traded even though nobody else knows it. And it doesn't really specifically matter which name you are attaching to the mindset of he's making some really bad personal decisions. Again, I don't have anybody in mind. Not at all. But if you have a group of 180 players, there might be three or four of them that are making some bad decisions. And those are the types of players that try to get them to continue to have success. But when, play, when other teams start asking, hey, would you be interested in trading this player or this player or this player? So let's say, let's say, let's say that a team is looking to make a trade and they are looking to trade someone who is a bit not prospect okay like a Cody Hoyer team is interested in trading a Cody Hoyer type of player and they want to trade a Cody Hoyer type of player for an actual honest to God Cubs prospect an honest to God Cubs prospect that's in their top 60 prospects and they're thinking hey any Cubs prospect in the current Cubs 60 prospects we're kind of interested in him okay so there are these four names of players on the Cubs' top 60 list for that team. They're not in the top 30, but they're in the top 60. And they're interested in, we will trade you this Cody Hoyer dude. We will trade you this Cody Hoyer dude if you trade us two of these five players in your oh let's say 40 to 60 range fair enough two of these five in your your being cubs we will trade you this cody hoyer dude if you trade us two of these five prospects in the Cubs 40 to 60 range and they give you four, five names A, B, C, D, and E A, B, C, D, and E and the Cubs hear the list of names and don't really respond to anything but the player D on the A, B, C, D, E list the guy that's at D on that ABCDE list, 
is one of those guys. He's one of those guys. That's a troublemaker. It's not that he is a huge troublemaker. It's just that he's not the guy who's trying hard at the weight bench. He's not the guy who's doing what he's supposed to do when he's supposed to be taking batting practice. He's not supposed he's not the guy who's doing he's not ideal. He's not what the Cubs are specifically looking for. So the team says, if you give us two of these five prospects, we will give you this Cody Hoyer dude. The Cubs say, give us a day. Give us a day. All right? They hang up and they go go discuss and quarant, uh, argue things out and say, okay, this is a chance to trade that player who we've been trying to get rid of anyway. So now, which of A, B, C, or E would, be, would we be willing to give up? See how that works? The Cubs have more information on Cubs prospects than anybody else does. The Cubs know which guys in AA ought to be able to be ready to carve in AAA. Pitchers, hitters, it doesn't matter. The Cubs have a fairly decent idea of which guys that are doing well at Advanced A ought to do well at AA. Pitchers, hitters, it doesn't matter. And the Cubs probably have an idea as far as once this guy gets to that certain specific level, he's probably going to be underwater. And if we could trade him before he gets to that spot and exposes himself, we could get trade value out of him. And in that instance, the Cubs most definitely should be attempting to try to trade those types of players, not because Tim says the Cubs should never trade anybody who is a prospect, but because the Cubs have the best information system going on these players, and they should probably have better information than anybody on which guys are the most professional, have the best uh, mindsets to be successful at the MLB level, and which guys don't. If there's a guy in the Cubs pipeline who's going to be exposed, it's obvious he's going to be exposed, he just hasn't been exposed yet. That's the guy they should be trying to trade. That's exactly the guy they should be trying to trade because he's just waiting to be exposed. The goal ought to be to assess which players are in the category of, no, we're not going to trade this guy. And which guys are in the, we would consider trading this guy. And which guys are in the, oh, we'd be happy to trade this guy. Categories. Get that right. Get that right. Not every single player that is drafted or signed as an international free agent is going to excel, is going to play to his 
pinnacle, or is even going to have pinnacle include Major League Baseball? The team that knows their players better than other teams do have an edge. Somehow, somehow, Tampa Bay has managed to know the other team's players better than they do. Tampa Bay knows Pittsburgh's prospects better than Pittsburgh knows Pittsburgh's prospects. How the heck is that going on? But they do. Knowledge is an important thing. Information is an important thing. Teams that have better information on their prospects, on other teams' prospects, on anything. If you have better information than the other team, you have an edge. The Cubs should have an information advantage on their own players. To the extent that the Cubs have an information advantage on their own players, they ought to take full advantage of that information advantage they have on their own players and trade off of that or not trade off of that. If there is a player who is a bad egg, that is the guy that should be traded. Perhaps other teams already know that. Perhaps already teams know which guys are bad eggs and which guys should be disregarded. Perhaps they've already been exposed. But as teams are developing players, as teams are developing players, you don't want to put someone into a group too quickly. But if an organization says, you know what, that guy over there, that right fielder over there, we ought to try to trade him. We ought to try to trade him because he's not the type of player that we want to have on our organization. He's not going to get things done that we want done. If a team can assess a player in that sort of fashion, what they ought to do then is try to push to get him to the peak level of success that he possibly can get to. So another team or another group of teams or five or six teams or eight or nine teams say, we want to trade for that guy. Then the team, well, you and eight or nine other teams want to trade for him too. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say we won't trade him, but you'd have to show us that you are more interested in those other eight or nine teams if you're going to make a trade for him. See how that works? Know which players are worth trading. Get those players to be envied by other organizations. Then, when the proper trade offer comes through, you trade them and wish them well. If the Cubs trade a player who is not going to move the needle, that's fine. But you want to make sure through the 24-7 observation of the players that the team has going on that the players who are going to move the needle are not the ones that are traded. The Cubs ought to know that. 
the Cubs have all of the information. They know who's doing the work in the weight room. They know who's getting to the field on time. They know who is doing what in the batting cages. They know who is treating people with respect. But if there is that player who gives off bad vibes, but has really good numbers on the field, and the Cubs decide, you know what? If the right offer comes through, we ought to trade this guy. That's perfectly legitimate. It is perfectly logical. It is perfectly rational to trade a player before he exposes himself. It's perfectly logical, rational, and normal to trade a player before he exposes himself. And if the Cubs are in a situation where they know of a player who's probably going to get exposed for one reason or another, and someone makes a good enough offer to make a trade for them, goodbye, see ya. The Cubs-Royals game on Sunday was quite enjoyable. And if a team has a prospect that is about ready to get into that situation where they are going to expose themselves, moving on from them might be a good idea. Thanks for stopping by and have a great week.